good. How are you? Well, I'm very hot because I can't have the AC on while we're doing this because it makes too much sound in my hotel room. Ooh. My wig is sliding back and I... <laughs> I literally saw your Instagram story too, where you're like, how? <laughs> That's the question for me too, though. Cause I literally am so confused how they keep the wigs on. Like I see people swimming with wigs. I'm like, what kind of super glue have you got on to be able to yes. do that? I'm done. <laughs> I'm bloody done. I get so confused. Welcome to Role Model with me, Leomi Anderson where I sit down with some of the biggest change makers and stars and break down what it really took to be called a role model. In a world that only shows the final glossy product and projects perfection, role model is all about getting to the heart of what shaped these individuals. And today we hear from a girl who to me is a triple threat. Not just a singer, she's also an actress and a dancer, and in my opinion, an absolute superstar. We're going to hear about her tales of colorism. And it was like people that I would date that were like just embarrassed to like say that they were dating me. And I would just be like, well, I don't understand. Managing those sex scenes in store. I don't know who this is and this is just awkward. And I'm like half naked and then there's like a whole crew of men behind the camera and I'm just like, this is so weird. And she reveals the story about when she met her boo, actor and model Keith Powers. I don't even think I've ever said that um, anywhere. It's the beautiful Ryan Destiny. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. I'm so excited to have you on because I have watched your journey. I think you're amazing. I think you're super inspiring. And I think that it's time for people to get to know the, the nitty gritty of uh, what makes Ryan Destiny the role model that she is. But I thought we would start from the, you know, from the very beginning. I know obviously your dad was part of an R&B group called Guess. Yeah. So you've always had the music industry around you. Yeah. But did you always aspire to be a part of it or was it something that you just loved being around? Um, I definitely loved being around it. And I think since my dad was always in that world, I just naturally, I don't know. I just went into it. Like my dad was always singing, singing around the house. And the bug just bit me too, I guess. And I'm just like, <laughs> all I can remember is ever since I was really young, just loving to watch musicals and movies and be able to like sing along with them and, mm. you know, do the lines as well. Like I was just like super into just all of it. Me too, but my voice, uh, not that great. <laughs> so <laughs> what's your earliest memory that you have of music? I think it's probably me being in the studio with my dad. I was maybe like three or something. I was like super young. So I, I remember it so vaguely. I don't even, I just remember like where I was and like the space. 
But yeah, my memory is actually like shot. Like it's really terrible. So the fact that I remember that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't even remember what I did last week, let alone three <laughs> years old. Like bloody hell, that's a very good memory. But obviously that means that it's something that was very important to you. Even if you don't remember all the details, it obviously means a lot to you, which is, which is really beautiful. You have been in several different girl groups with your first one when you were 12 years old. So just talk me through how this all came about because I too was in a girl band when I was uh, around nine years old. Uh, Weren't very good. Were you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I think that like all girls were in a girl group at some point in their lives. Like (laughs) it happened at some point. I just really loved girl groups growing up. Like, I loved TLC. Mm. I loved Destiny's Child. Like, I was so infatuated with them. And um, I loved, like, the camaraderie, too. Like, just, like, being, like, with your girls and being able to do what you guys both like. So it was definitely, like, a school thing. Like, I went to school with the girls, and we would just, like, get together and get creative, start singing together, making harmonies, all this type of stuff. And yeah, it just like formed into this like real thing, I guess, and continued on a little too long than what I would have liked it to, but it it, <laughs> it continued. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Come on, give me the juice now. You know, I really just think that I was holding on to this dream when it was just not working. Like, I just... I I think at the end of the day, we were all very young. So it was just like drama that would happen. And like, you know, like he said, she said stuff and people trying to get into each other's ears and like just a lot of like crap, you know, and being young, you're kind of like preyed upon as well in like the music industry and people like see that vulnerability and, you know, it's you being naive too and they spot it and they take advantage of it. And I think that that's what happened to all of us. And unfortunately, it made a lot of us not really bond the best way. And, um, but I really do like, I mean, I'm just like reflecting on it now and I really, you know, wish the best for them, honestly. And I'm just hoping that we all learn from it and grew from it. And I definitely think I did. So I'm just hoping the same for them. Um, One of the girls I'm still, like, really close with, like, we're best friends. Um, But, yeah, it's some people that I haven't spoken to in, like, a long time. But, you know, it's all love. And I just really don't put anything, like, against anyone. I think it was just, like, a weird, vulnerable time, you know, and being that young. We're completely different people now. So (laughs) it's different. (laughs) I know for a fact that you were on America's Got Talent. Sorry, I'm taking it back, actually. You are. I wanted to talk about this. Yes, because recently a lot of people um, who were on, like, the UK version of X Factor and stuff like that, previous contestants have come forward saying how they didn't like how they were treated and stuff like that. And I know that you guys decided to come off of the show. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's sort of weird because it's, like, such a far memory in the back of my brain where it's sometimes I forget little things here and there but we weren't on there for like a super long time we were just on there until they were like okay we have to sign you guys now and that's how that's the only way you'll be able to move on to the next like stage oh really yeah really I didn't know it was like that yeah and so then like our parents our parents all 
three of our parents got involved mm. and they just were not liking it. Like it was like they were trying to hold us for like I want to say like 10 years. Nah. Like it was like a crazy number and I was just like even at that age I was like, "You know what? That's probably not worth it." Like it was like the weirdest contract and it was just like just no. I think that year was actually the year Kalani and her group was on. We were going to be like oh, all on like the same season. That's crazy. And yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember like rooting for her and her group um, cuz I just thought they were they were super cool. But yeah, that was that was a fun time. It was it was interesting, very entertaining. Yeah. Like the judges and everything were like very like I think the crowd crowd's reaction and stuff was like fake like it was just like heightened everything was heightened it was like so i was just like this is weird the crowd goes wild ah and really it's like ah yes literally like everything was so it was like just all for tv and i was just like whatever this is is what it is but um it was funny very interesting experience it sounds like yes I guess you're fortunate because, as you said, you get kind of preyed on in the industry. It's a space that is, it's just like modeling, like being a young woman in any of these industries, people are looking to flip in, prey on you, play mind tricks, manipulate you. But you had your mum there, like that is so fortunate. And obviously there's so many different like troops and stereotypes of what a, a momager is like. So talk to me about yours and your mum's relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely had its ups and downs. Um, I just feel like, you know, being a, a mom and daughter duo, period, you're gonna just like go through things, like especially like teen years and and that's like when I was like growing, figuring stuff out, you know, so we bumped heads a lot, but I definitely think we're at a better place now in, in general. And luckily we're able to split the two of like when it's mom time and when it's manager time, you know, um, thankfully. So it's just kind of keeping that balance, you know, and I, and I, it is a stereotype with momagers, but I think at the end of the day, it's because of how much they protect you. And it like makes people almost upset, you know, it's like they know that they can't get past you with certain things because they can't get past her because she knows, like, knows the intentions, knows like what's going on for real. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And it's, it's nice to be able to trust someone because it's obviously hard to. What would you say is one of the things that your mum protected you from the most in the industry? Because I actually spoke to Michelle Williams and she said that having Beyonce's parents and her parents close by protected her from like the, the hypersexualization of the industry, etc. So what would you say is one of the things that you're thankful your mum was 100% there for? I think definitely like that's a great example. I feel like men, especially, there's so many men <laughs> in the industry mm, nasty smelly ass men yeah like their yeah their intentions are not great all the time and especially i think you know when it is like a younger girl who is obviously like we just talked about like just like sort of naive and just like really like wanting to make it and, and like desperate and they like spot that and so they just like are like yes i, I got her in now and it's I see it happen and it's it's really it's really sad how much it happens but luckily I think things are like changing and when your parents are around you period I just think that they 
know that they can't get away with it and it's not going to be pretty at all if they even like try you in any way so i definitely think that this the men being protected from the men in the industry because i'm going in the studios with these men and i'm going to like meetings with these men and like it's just so many like intimate moments where you have and it's weird to do that alone. I'd be so scared. I'd be scared to go into the studio with a guy. Obviously, my boyfriend's a, a rapper as well. Even I feel uncomfortable sometimes going to the studio when there's loads of his boys there and, like, mm-hmm. I'm a grown-ass woman. So I can't even imagine, like, being young. Right. You know, you want to obviously show your talents, but you also don't want to be in a situation where things can go very left. And men just make me sick sometimes, Ryan. I swear. I know. Oh, my days. <laughs> it's really it's really annoying because they really are gross. It's like they can be great sometimes, you know, but they're, like, gross overall. So it's just like yeah. <laughs> saying that obviously some are good. Is there any situations where you kind of wish your mom wasn't there? Like maybe like an event, a party, you see a cute guy, or you see you know something going on. Your mom's just there, like because there's obviously sometimes where I'm happy that my mom weren't there because you know I was just living my life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, for sure. I feel like it was weird because I feel like the transition of me just growing up um, in general was a process for her as well. Um, Luckily, she was, for the most part, chill with everything. Like, my mom would go to the club with, like, us sometimes. And my mom, she also looks younger, so it's easy for it to not be, like, a thing where people are like, is that her mom? So they're (laughs) normally, like mistaking her for somebody else but it was like it was weird we literally would go to the club and then it would just be a thing like I think she was with me she was actually with me when I met Keith actually um oh. <laughs> yes she was literally with me I don't even think I've ever said that um anywhere but yeah she was she was actually with me it was like a party and um she was probably with me the next time I saw him like it's like very like chill like I, I don't really like care like that it's obviously been times where i'm like all right i'm out i'm going somewhere or like all right you know somebody's coming into town like i don't really need you coming over and visiting like around this time (laughs) (laughs) so like sometimes it's happening for sure yeah (laughs) you're from detroit michigan but yes. you moved. Uh, what age did you move to LA then? And what was that transition like for you? So it was weird because I got signed in my senior year of high school. That's like 17, 17, 18. So from that time, I had been going back and forth to LA for like like long periods of time, like months at a time. Um, so it sort of felt like I had been here for a minute. But officially... In 2019, I think, is when I officially made the move, like, okay, I'm here. Would you say that you feel that L.A. is fake or hard to navigate? Because that's, like, a stereotype of L.A. But I haven't lived there, so I don't really know. Like, I think that New York is dumb fake. Like, everyone's like, how are you? Love you. And it's just like, you're like, bitch, you don't fucking love me. You don't even know me. You don't know me. That's so weird because I literally, it's always kind of like the opposite with New York. It's like people in New York are so real. So I'm like shocked to hear you say that. But maybe it's just because I'm from London though. But I think it also just depends. Like, I feel like if you're in the industry, you're obviously going to come across people that are like that. But I feel like if you just kind of separate yourself, 
you definitely can find some cool people that are just like chill yeah like not like trying to do too much or anything like that but you know I kind of I expect to meet those people that are also very like surface surface level you know it's just I don't know it is what it is You've kind of been in the public eye for basically all of your life. Like, how would you say that things have changed for you since social media has kind of been introduced? Because you've been working from before then. How do you feel like it changed your career and also like changed your perspective on the industry? It's weird because I think we obviously know the tool that social media can be and you know it can, it can help a lot of things but I will say that I've had more conversations of me being like mad of what it's done <laughs> versus being happy <laughs> when you start out in the music industry at that time that I did it was just like you know early 2000s um it was just about it was a it was like a normal formula which was like mm-hmm. you know getting getting your stuff out there on like you know MTV music videos and like the 106 and Park play like stuff mm-hmm. like that like you were just like it was like a normal thing and like even like artist development was like more of a thing and now it's very the opposite like you don't have to do stuff like that which is not necessarily a bad thing like people are just being more authentically them which is the part that I I do like like you're definitely more um popular when you show your personality and I think versus back then it was more so just literally about the music which now is totally different like your personality is at the forefront like yeah and that's what's gonna be like that's what's gonna be like what like drives it you know all the way through and it's just like such a weird concept and really it was hard for me to like get around that because I'm like normally a pretty private person because you kind of have to just like roll with the times. Trust me, you see me uploading all these TikToks and shit and they're like, ah, 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 ah. I'm like, oh my days. Like, so people know that I'm not as serious as people think that I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Because every time I've seen you, you're like the most like, fun bubbly like outgoing person like every time I see you so that's hilarious that people would think <laughs> yeah but I don't I don't know I don't even know how to like translate it because I'm like sorry I don't have time to be doing vlogs tiktoks flip-flops uh this and Bruh. that challenge I'm a savage yeah but I'm like oh my I can't keep right? up it's so but, hard to keep up it makes me feel old and I'm like yo I'm not old so that that's like that's a dud like I'm not like I'm not, I'm not that but the thing is we're private people and I think that's something that we kind of relate to is the fact that I think where we started when we were younger as you said it was more about your work as opposed to your private life and all that other stuff so I like showing more my work and yeah. um, taking people along that journey but people want to see more of the back end of things which is like ooh, I'm like mm. I kind of want to keep that to myself, but Mm -hmm. you know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. 
Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. When I first entered into the industry, I felt like it was my very first experience of like racism, colorism, all of that sort of stuff. I want to kind of talk about your first experiences of colorism and, you know, like how you navigated that because you were really young when you started in the industry. It was probably something that I had realized but didn't really know like the proper terms for it, didn't really understand how it wasn't just me going through it. Obviously, you know, I think one of our first introductions to just it in general and I guess race, colorism, all of it is like literally what we watch and like what we see. And even though I didn't see as many people that looks like me, it still didn't click during that time. I don't think it clicked till I was in school. And then it was, oh, this is a thing because people are like pointing it out in different ways. And it was like such like a ranking in like school with popularity and who the guys would actually like want to talk to. And almost it was just like very like trophy. Like this is who I like because it's it's going to make me look better and like more popular. Yeah, it was it was just like a weird thing. And and. And it was like people that I would date that were like just embarrassed to like say that they were dating me. And I would just be like, well, I don't understand. But you're paying, (laughs) for my American listeners, paying means beautiful. (laughs) What? I can't even believe that. I'm like, are you mad? Very, very weird thing to go through and think that they're right. I literally thought that what they were saying, it was, oh, I get it. Oh, this is like, it would be better if I was lighter and like had like this curly hair on my head and, you know, had like these blue eyes, maybe like such a thing that I thought was fine. And I didn't see a problem with it until maybe, maybe around like 17, which was so late. Like, I think like during that time that you're like, I don't know. I just thought I was I was smarter than that. I literally thought I was smarter than that. No, but it's not even about being smart, though. It's because literally, like, nobody was really talking about it then. As you said, we didn't even know there was a name for what we were experiencing. We just thought it was normal. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just completely normal when agents and stuff would be like to me, don't go into a casting after another black girl because they might get you guys confused. Like, stuff like that. And I would just be like, oh, okay. Like, thinking that because they're adults as well, I was thinking that what they're telling me must be true. Right. Even back in school days, like being told, oh, yeah, you're pretty for a black girl. If I had to go with a black yeah. girl, I, I, I guess it would be you. The fact that we were taking that as like a compliment, because I would take it as a compliment. I would be like, 
Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Love that for me. (laughs) No. I feel like everybody had that though. Like not understanding that actually that is so insulting. But to us, it was like, oh, rather that than them just being straight up like, oh, you're ugly. You're clapped. Whatever, you know. Right. It takes time to learn these sort of things. And I definitely feel that the industries that we were in really perpetuated it. I even think that like, as far as being like in a group as well, I think in a weird way, people had just a formula of how a group would work too, you know, and who would be in the forefront. And it was so odd because I loved Destiny's Child. Like I loved Beyonce. I loved Kelly. I loved Michelle. And it was because of them that literally, like, placed this, like, wide, like, universal, like, thing with labels that this is what works. This is what works. This this lighter-skinned girl in the forefront. Um, and then the darker girl is either the third or second. So she's either, like, you know, being uh, the second best, essentially, you know? And it, it, it sucks so bad because I was looking at it as like a thing where, you know, everybody could be in the forefront and everyone could be the lead of something. Um, But I just realized when I was going through all the stuff with like different labels and music execs, who they wanted to be in the forefront was literally based off of who they felt was marketable. And, you know, it would be some people that would have this like, you know, insight of just feeling like that was like not right. So it was some people that were like, no, like it should be like, you know, this chocolate girl and, and, you know, like things were like different and like people don't usually like do stuff like that. So it was some people like that, but majority of it was very, this is what works. This should be the lead of this. This should be who is in the middle of this picture. This should be, it was just like the weirdest thing ever. And it it bothered me for a very long time because I thought, it, it was like no matter how hard I worked, no matter how like much I wanted it and how like even if I even if somebody was technically just working harder in general, it didn't matter because it was all about the look. And it continued for like a, a very long time, I think, in my career, just that like sort of mentality and going through stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I completely relate though. I completely relate. And it is weird because in these industries, as you said, you can be the hardest worker. You can do everything like modeling. You can make sure you're, you're skinny, your, your skin's always clear, your hair's always X, Y, Z, your nails always clean, but it doesn't make a difference when people have their own perception of what should be on top. And they would always place mm-hmm. like people who look like us at the bottom and it was something that yeah yeah, and it did I completely understand and resonate with the fact that like that feeling of I wouldn't say it was like necessarily feeling like upset but that feeling of thinking like damn like what more can I possibly do to be able to get further in my career and where we've been working for from such a young age as well it kind of I feel like it might have like not fucked with us yet but it's like annoying because you feel like I've been working since I was 12 I've been working since I was 14 I should be able Mm -hmm. to say that I'm where I am because of my hard work not oh because I'm dark skin I'm not going to be able to get further in my career do you know what I mean who would you say in your career when you were feeling like this who would you look up to then was there other dark-skinned women in the industry or outside of your industry that you looked up to who inspired you yeah I mean I definitely 
always looked up to Brandy since I was younger. I mean, she was like the one, like when I was watching television shows, watching Cinderella, listening to music, like she was like right there and like killing it in like every aspect on like a global scale. So she was obviously somebody that I always looked up to. What do you feel are some of the biggest differences between the music and acting industry then? Do you feel that acting was a little bit more of a level playing field? I definitely think they were similar in the way that they looked at black women. <laughs> the biggest difference with them is just more so in the way of, of how you can be creative. In the music industry, I always felt that I could be a bit more free uh, with just like how I speak, my personality, my style, like anything, it just felt more free and expressive. And with the acting industry, it can be a bit more like you have to kind of conform into something and not be too out there because then people won't take you as serious. Mm -hmm. So it's always like me trying to find a very weird balance because I want to do both. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's like so many different like aspects, but they're, they're similar in a lot of ways. But there's just like little things here and there that like make them different. And I, I just feel like I always have to move different in, in them. It's weird. <laughs> it's a lot, isn't it? When you're like wearing all these different hats Man. of like how to balance them on your yeah. head in the correct way, you know? It's, it's changing so much too. Uh, that people are having more of an open mind with the fact that people do more than one thing. <laughs> but I think, like, back then, it was like, okay, you're an actor, you're an actor. Okay, you're, an, you're a singer, that's what you are. And every time somebody stepped outside of that, it was like, what is this actress doing singing, you know, having a whole album come out? Or, like, what is this, like, singer doing on this on this movie that I'm watching. Like, it was, like, weird for people to, like, see stuff like that. And now I feel like people are just, oh, yeah, like, as humans, you can do more than one thing. Because you were actually cast to be Tiana in Empire, but you couldn't do it because of your contract with Def Jam, right? Was that one of the reasons why? Because they felt like they only wanted you to focus on music, or was it something else? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no, I was with, I think I was with Capital at that time those type of shows that involve music it, you're signed to another label as well once you go with them so the fact that I was signed oh. to at that time it was just like a big like conflict and it was just yeah but it, it worked out for the better I, I think just because I think that star fit me way more than empire did so um it was just, it was cool how it worked out. Now, for those of you who don't know, because you were living under a rock, <laughs> Ryan was in a TV show called Star. And it was perfect for you, right? Because it was following the lives of three young women who were trying to make it in the music industry. Talk me through just being on Star, being in another girl group dynamic again as well. Like, just talk me through that because that show to me, I loved it. I loved the the topics that you guys touched on. I loved the acting, everything. So just talk to me about your time on set with Star. Yeah, Star was a crazy journey for me. And I think that everything that happens is just like, you know, a setup of what's going to happen next. So 
the fact that I was in a girl group, I think it was almost in a way to gear me up sort of to be in the show in a way. Like it, it seemed like it wasn't all for nothing. Like, you know, I, I got to like put in a little bit of what I knew and experienced into the show. Um, so that, that aspect was cool, but I was honestly, I was really scared to do star. I was like, I was frightened. I was freaking out when I, when I felt that I had, Why? it was because mainly because I just had gotten out of my group. Like I literally, it was like probably like a few months in between where I was like, okay, like we're like officially gonna like part ways, um, so I was just kind of like in that zone, you know, I was like, okay, I, I, I feel like I'm finally moving on to something that is best for me. I learned a lot about myself, um, what I'm capable of, uh, and what I need to work on. So it was just like, you know, it was just a big learning experience. So I'm just thankful for that. Here's a question. So, when you're doing these sex scenes, are you Ryan or are you Alexandra? <laughs> because talk me through, actually, how do you film a, a sex scene? Please talk to me. I need to understand how it works. How many people in the room? Do you have, like, a practice kiss off stage? Like, do you film yourself kiss beforehand so you know that your kiss looks good on camera? Like, I need to understand. <laughs> you know, it's a really awkward thing. Like, I definitely, like, that's, like, acting for sure. Because when you cut the cameras off, like, we're, like, splitting up. I'm, like, wrapping myself up, being, like, quiet, being, like, to myself. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Now things have actually changed, like, more recently where people get, um, uh, what is it called? Because I haven't had it yet. But they're basically like um, choreographers for the sex scenes. Uh, oh, and they're kind of like... They'd be like, arch your back. Literally, back. but then it's... A, Look yeah, your head. Really? But like, it's in a way where, you know, like everything is super like safe and you don't feel awkward. Mm. And it's literally for those moments where people can get a little weird and like touchy kind of make things form into real life so that's really why mm. they're there like it's to make things as like simple and like seamless and non-awkward and comfortable as possible I've experienced it where it's they're not there and it's just kind of like you're winging it and then people mm. are like telling like the director's like yelling telling you to do different stuff like as you're going and it's just like this is weird. Like, I just met this oh person. I don't know who this is. And this is just awkward. And I'm, like, half naked. And then there's, like, a whole crew of men behind the camera. And I'm just, like, this is so weird. I couldn't do that. It's weird. You really have Mate. to. It's really just, like, a, okay, this is, like, this means nothing. And this is a job. And everyone's professional. When everyone's professional, it makes it a lot easier. When you have, like, weird people on set, that's when it gets, like, Mm. that's when it gets weird yeah I like the sound of this choreographer thing because at least then you feel like I'm doing a routine yeah even though it's obviously a sex scene it's still a routine you kind of know what's coming mm -hmm. you know what to expect okay so if I ever act I'm asking for this sex choreographer shit I might even ask <laughs> one right now you got any tips for me <laughs> if you had a daughter would you want her to enter into the industry as young as you have or what advice would you give to your daughter if she did want to follow in your footsteps Wow, that's a great question. 
Hmm. This is role model, baby. I'm not asking that every day. <laughs> I know that's right. I always say that I, at the end of the day, would let my child like do whatever they feel. You know, things always change when you actually have a daughter, <laughs> and it's like real. It becomes really real. But I, I think that I would just like try to be as supportive and understanding of whatever she would want to do. Um, even at a young age, I think it's, you know, a way to express yourself. So I would never want to minimize that in any way, you know, because beautiful things can come out of that. And whether or not she falls in love with it or not, you know, it's just a part of the journey. And I think when you're a parent and you try to stop something, I feel like at a certain point they're going to do it how they want to do it anyway at some point so you might as well just kind of be there and guide them as much as you can um I would definitely just like try to have her not go into the game as naive as I did like I would I would I would try and pray I really I always look at like there's so many people like that are really really young right now and doing so many amazing things and I'm like Yo, I was not like that at 16. Like, I wish I was, but I was not. So I would love, <laughs> I would love if like my daughter was sort of more like that, a little, a little, you know, more advanced than me. I get it. I have a lot of questions from your fans here. Oh I was going through it. <laughs> of course, all of them obviously want to know what can they expect from you this year? Like yeah. music, film, like when they can expect something new. Tell us. Yeah. Um, so with the film side, I actually had to stop filming uh, my movie Flint Strong uh, right before the pandemic happened it would have been done by now but it's not mm. so I have to start that back up in January um, so really excited for it but it has been a very very long process with this whole pandemic stuff <laughs> so yeah so I'm really really excited for that um, my music I've been <laughs> my fans hate me because I'm always saying something and then they're always like this means nothing because she said this before. Like I'm always They're like very, you're fake. <laughs> yes, I'm always very like vague with my answers. I'm like you know it's soon. I'm recording, but I literally have like I don't want to tell them like a month and then like I get their hopes up and yeah, change. Yeah, and then something gets delayed or something, you know. But um, I'm really excited. There's definitely going to be like uh, music videos uh, put out this year, and a project is my plan. Um, but definitely visually, you will see more stuff drop this year. My last question from Onika Destiny. If you could choose one song to describe your life as a whole, what would your song be? Oh my God, that's hard. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I always say my one, I always say is um, Ja Rule, Living It Up. I definitely, like, Return of the Mac is definitely, like, one of my songs where I'm like that. Oh. Yes. Okay, I love that. It just feels so good. I love what it's saying, and, yeah, it's just a really fun song. Thank you, Ryan. We're coming on Role Model. Tune in, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a wrap. <laughs> Role Model is a Something Else production, produced by Harriet Wells. Additional production from Steve Ackerman. 
The executive producers are Claire Solon and Chris Skinner. Special thanks goes to Ellen McLeod, Charlotte Tahira, Camilla Baden, Jesse Donnelly, Emma Lansden, and Mark Rivers. Next time on Role Model. All throughout my teens, I was like, the math's just not mathing. <laughs> <laughs> Something's off. And I didn't know what it was. And at first I thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm gay. Or maybe it's because I'm black and gay that I feel so weird about being gay. Mm. And then I was like, hmm something's just not right. And I thought that I was gay because I was in the body that I was in and I liked other bodies that looked like my body. So I thought, okay, I'm gay. And then I transitioned and then I was like, okay, well, I can't say that I'm gay anymore because I'm attracted to the opposite sex, I guess. And Mm. then I started having feelings for people that looked like my body. Um, (laughs) And then I was like, okay, well, I need to explore this. And then I did. And then I was like, well, I guess that I'm not straight or gay. I guess I'm just going to stop trying to define myself.